I hit the ship, but they used a decoy. We'll have to try something more subtle this time, Sam. My client is getting impatient. Take these. Be careful, they're very poisonous. Sam, there can be no mistakes this time. We sort of went through various sort of different types of fabric ideas and we ended up with um, sort of leather. And the colour was something that developed quite late on, the sort of sort of lavendery, lilac-y colour. Once the costume had sort of been established, we were sort of already working, um, the costume props department were already working on making the shapes and doing moulds and, and uh, prototypes for George to look at. It was a bounty hunter called. What a shaman! Hello, Star Wars fans and moof milkers everywhere. Welcome to episode number 322 of Blast Points. This is Jason. And this is Gabe. And we are so happy to be joined once again by our friend, Savannah Kiefer. Savannah, how are you doing? What is going on? I'm doing great. Now that I'm here, I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be talking with you guys again. I miss... The camaraderie from Celebration. I miss the Hilton Bar hangs. I miss the Kenobi feels. And I'm ready to just like relive it all with you guys here and be together again. It was like the most epic. I don't even, how many days was it? I don't even, it's all a blur. So many. It's one really long day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was so amazing too. Like we literally kept running into you, which was so great, even at the John Wayne Airport. I know. <laughs> it was just, it was amazing. It was so great. The John Wayne Airport interaction was my favorite because I had been waiting at my gate. I, I got there pretty early and I had been waiting at my gate, popped in my AirPods, and I was like, let's go. Let's listen to these live shows from Blast Points at Celebration. Let's Let's hear the Kenobi reaction. And then I was like, you know what? I need a little coffee. So I'm going to walk over to this place and get me a little coffee. And I'm walking 
and I see you guys, but I'm also hearing you guys. And I'm like, this is weird. So I think I came over and I talked to you guys and I was like, you guys are in my ears right now. That's so crazy. The, yeah, the most tired Kenobi reactions of all time. I've never listened to that episode. I may not. It may, I'm scared too. It's a good time. Highly recommend. Uh, yeah, it was all just so epic. You know, we were talking before we hit record, too, of just the whole, the Kenobi screening and just the crazed mania in our group of us, Charlotte and Caitlin from Sky Talkers, Kara DJ, and your, the superstar celebration, your mom. My mom, yes. She was there. The one and only Stacy Kiefer. <laughs> <laughs> it was a wild time. Throwing Pringles, throwing boxes of Frosted Flakes, just mass hysteria going on. Like when you think back to like that countdown to the start of the Kenobi premiere. I I have to say, I think the Kenobi premiere was one of my highlights of celebration because you guys were there. And the dancing that we had to do to get those freaking Pringles and the Frosted Flakes it was too much. And you know what? You won the Pringles. You danced your butt off for those Pringles, Jason. FYI, I didn't even barely dance. The guy came up with the Pringles and I pointed at him and made eye contact. <laughs> You're like, you, me, you better hand them over. It's happening. And you turned to me and handed me the can of Pringles. And it felt like I've never had this happen before. I've only seen it in the movies. But like when a little kid is at a baseball game with their dad and the dad catches the ball and he hands it to the kid. Like that's how I felt when you handed me that can of Pringles. I was like, you won this just for me, just for me to have these Pringles. Two things. One, before the Pringle, when we realized they were throwing out cans of Pringles, we had a we had a little conversation where we were like discussing mutual love of Pringles, and you were mm-hmm. just like you were telling me how much you love Pringles, and we were talking about like different flavors and stuff, and also very much like a like a baseball game. I so I pointed at the guy, and he like nodded his head to me, and he threw me the threw the can of Pringles at me, and somebody. In the do you remember this? And somebody in the row in front of us tried to like reach up and grab it, yes. and I mid catch like changed my grip, and I was like, no, 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 these are mine. <laughs> well, not exactly mine because I know who's getting these cans of Pringles. So yeah, yeah, that was great. I that made my night. You know what? Getting that can of Pringles was just as good as watching the premiere of Kenobi. When did you consume the Pringles? They've not been consumed. I've decided with much deliberation, I'm going to let them disintegrate into the sands of Tatooine. (laughs) And I'm just never going to eat them. They're going to be sealed forever. Yeah, that's probably the right right choice. Mm -hmm. But they could be really good. We don't know. Yeah, they already turned to dust basically because I put them in my checked luggage on the way back from that trip. And I think all the rattling around, it just like broke all the chips and it's just like, you can tell it's they're not in solid pieces anymore. You'll be simply amazed too when you discover Pringles newfangled potato chips. As many chips as in this big bag. Fresh, unbroken, stacked in a crush-proof, stale-proof canister. Pringles newfangled potato chips. 
This is so exciting. And yeah, we're so happy that you are joining us on our triumphant return to Attack of the Clones here. It has been, I think, two months. Attack of the Clones here got really complicated. <laughs> like it seemed like such a good idea and so simple. It's just Attack of the Clones here. We'll do one episode a month. But yeah, it may have been a couple months since we've gotten back to Attack of the Clones. But we are so excited to be back talking about Attack of the Clones and talking about Attack of the Clones. You have you've had quite an Attack of the Clones couple months here, to say the least. It's uh it's been intense for sure. Attack of the Clones year has been my life for the last couple years now because I decided to finally make a Zam Wessel costume. The Attack of Clones vibes have been running through my veins now for far too long. Like, I didn't even know it was possible to think about Attack of the Clones this often every day for two years. So was it that long ago when you decided that you had to make this happen, you had to make the costume? So, yeah, I started the costume in, I think it was the end of February 2021, and I finished it in... December of 2021. But I've been thinking about this costume for, I think, 10 years now. So it's been a long time coming, but I didn't actually start the project until February of last year. So it's been a long time. Well, it was amazing that whole process, like watching it grow piece by piece on social media and following all the the steps along the way to get there. How did it even start? Like what was like the first step in assembling your incredible Zam Wessel? Yeah. So the costume started with the shoes actually, which you think would be the least important part of the costume. But I've been wanting to make a Zam Wessel costume since I was 16 years old. And When I first started researching it in my teenage years, I discovered that it's a very expensive costume to make because they decided to use Prada shoes for Zam and a lot of the leather goods are just really expensive to source and make. So for a long time, I just didn't have the financial means to buy a lot of those expensive pieces. And I also didn't have the skills to put things together and sew leather. Like I had never done that before. But I have had Google alerts set up for about seven years. I decided to turn them on about seven years ago for these specific Prada boots. And the trouble is that they don't have a very defined style name. So you kind of have to use a variety of keywords to try and nail down the specific style on Google. But these shoes, if you're able to find a pair of them, they were made in 1999. They kind of run for a minimum of $600 now. So they're not cheap. And the sad part is that for Zam's costume, they pretty much get completely covered up, but you can see the sole of the shoe. And the sole has like a very iconic defined shape. And I'm insane. And I'm like, well, I have to have the actual soul. So I have to have these shoes. So back in February of last year, I got an email, the Google alert arrived in my inbox. And I was like, here we go again. I get these a couple times a month. Let me see what this pair is. Let me look into it. 
And it took me to um, a listing on Poshmark and the girl selling the pair of shoes had them listed for like, I want to say $250 or $300, something like that. And the style of the shoe was exactly what I needed. It was the exact color. They made this boot in two different colors with different zipper styles and things like that. This was the exact pair that I needed and it was in my size. I was like, oh my gosh. Oh, and by the way, they were a store display. So they had never been worn before. They were like brand spanking new. They came in the original Prada box with like the dust bag and everything. So the shoes were already a good deal, but I love an even better deal. So I offered her, I think it was like $100 less than what she had them listed for. And I felt really bad for lowballing her, but I was like, you know what? Let's just see. Let's just see if she accepts the offer. If she doesn't accept it, I'll still buy them, you know, but it's worth a shot to try and save that much money. Well, she accepted the offer immediately, like didn't even counter. She didn't even think about it. She accepted it. So that night, after I knew I had purchased and secured the boots, Charlotte and Caitlin can attest to this. I went into like this 48-hour frenzy where I was like, oh my God, it's happening. It's happening. So let's just go. Like, let's do it now. So immediately I started researching where to buy the, the neoprene fabric for the undersuit and you know, yada, yada, yada. I had made a spreadsheet of all the things that I needed for the costume. And I had been researching this for years. So I knew the general list of what I needed, but suppliers sometimes go out of business. Sometimes fabric is no longer sold. So I did have to go back and resource like a few things that I couldn't find anymore. Um, And then when the shoes arrived, I freaked out a little bit because I couldn't get my foot in them. (laughs) Because... They are the most narrow boots uh, with the insole. When the insole is in the shoe, I can't get my foot in them. If I take the insole out, I'm good. But it took me a couple hours to figure that out. And I almost had like a meltdown because I was like, here we go. It's been seven years. I've been trying to find these shoes. I'm trying to put them on. They're not fitting. Basket of tears, basically. But it all worked out. I just took out the insole and they're fine. So it, it all started with the shoes And a lot of people don't start their ZAM costumes that way. They usually start with the armor or the helmet or something a little more iconic than like a sole of a shoe that you barely see. You need a solid foundation, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like building a house. You got to build the foundation first. So you got to start with the shoes. Exactly. It had to have just been so amazing because your Zam cosplay was such a huge hit in Anaheim. You'd worn it like once before, right, at something? Yes, I wore it to Emerald City Comic Con in December, and I needed to do a convention before celebration just for the peace of mind so that I would know nothing would fall off of me at celebration. I needed to make sure like my pants weren't going to rip or anything. <laughs> But what was that like after spending all that time to get the reaction that you got there? Because it was it was huge. Yeah, it was pretty gratifying because when I went to Emerald City, um, there was pretty low attendance at that convention to begin with. And the other costumers that were there were cosplaying as 
like far more iconic characters like Spider-Man, Spider-Gwen, Iron Man, things like that. So not very many people recognized Zam Wessel. And so very few people were like, oh, I want to take a picture with you. But at Celebration, it was like, oh my gosh, it's Zam Wessel. We're, oh, that's the bounty hunter from Attack of the Clones. And so it was really cool for people to recognize the character. And I decided for Celebration to wear colored contacts. I have I have brown eyes and the actress that plays Zam has like bluish gray eyes. So I got colored contacts and I kind of did more... Um, dramatic makeup. It's definitely not the makeup she has in the movie, but I wanted my eyes to stand out, especially in pictures. And it was really cool. Like from afar, people would comment on the costume. And then when they got close up, they'd be like, whoa, your eyes look, they're so cool. And I was like, oh, thanks. Like, you know, the little details count. So it was awesome. And I got to meet up with one of my friends, Arturo, uh, who's been cosplaying as Django since Attack of the Clones came out. Uh, he has one of the best Django's I've ever seen. And it was just really fun to walk around with him and people would stop us for photos together. It was a great time. It was kind of surreal to work on something for so long. It, it took me nine months to make that costume. And prior to making it, the only sewing I had done before was just like pajama pants with an elastic waist or a wrap dress, like nothing fitted, nothing, you know, using anything but a hundred percent cotton. So the fact that I had sewn material like neoprene and I had sewn leather and I had been like tooling leather and I was, I had done so many things I had never done before for this costume. I was just really proud of it and it felt awesome to show that off to people. It was it was very fun. I wish I could do that like every weekend. <laughs> well, it was so much fun just watching you make it and seeing updates on on Twitter and social media. Like I think I told you before, like there was part of me that never wanted you to finish because I didn't want to not get to watch you make it anymore. But seeing the final result, like, okay, yeah, it's I'm glad you finished it because it, it was worth the wait. Yeah, I'm glad I finished it too <laughs> because it, it <laughs> consumed so much of my brain space. I was always thinking about it and trying to figure out how to do certain things. So when I was done, just felt like such a big release and a weight was lifted from my shoulders. I didn't have to think about it anymore. But now the problem is I'm like, you know, I could really upgrade this thing and now, you know, I, I I could kind of do this better now that I know how to do it. No, maybe I should make this part again. So it's kind of still there, but not as bad as it was. It's such a crazy, complicated costume from Attack of the Clones. Like when you look like the visual dictionary or there's the great uh, thing on the Blu-ray where it's like all the little pieces and close-ups of the costume and like when you see it on screen you're like oh yeah that's cool but then when you actually start examining it closely it's just bonkers how much is going on in that so many tiny little details what was the most challenging part because it's not like you just kind of you know phoned it in like it is like super duper like every detail you replicated so yeah what was the most challenging thing to replicate in that costume for me it was the helmet and I really thought the hardest part was going to be the skirt because the skirt contains so many pieces and it's, you know, custom dyed and hand laced. And I thought that'd be really hard, but that was a breeze. And the helmet was really difficult because I had a hard time sourcing 
the hardware that they used on the helmet. So my helmet base is cast with fiberglass and resin and it has resin detail pieces, but the armatures for the binoculars and the binoculars themselves was so hard for me to figure out. And I figured out the binoculars are not a pair that you buy off the shelf. It's like two pairs that you have to break and then reassemble together. So having to figure that out took me a long time. And then there's some hardware that connects the binoculars to the armatures. There's a teeny tiny little ball joint. And I was just like, what even is that? And then I figured out it was a ball joint so that the binoculars could swivel and move up and down. And I was like, where do you even find a ball joint that's that tiny? And so I found out they're from RC Cars and they come in like the smallest little sizes for that. And then the piece that connects the armature to the ear of the helmet is something called a Heim joint. I had never heard of that before. I guess they're used on cars and I had to find like a little miniature Heim joint. And then the armatures themselves are two different size brass tubes uh, that fit into each other and you have to bend them to the right size and everything. But that part was the hardest because I started looking for that hardware. As soon as I found the boots, I started looking for everything. And I was trying to source all the materials that I needed. I think it took me seven months to find those pieces for the helmet. It took a long time. And I ordered a lot of stuff online and it would come and I'm like, this isn't the right size. Like it's the right part, but it's not the right size. And I don't understand what 0.005 millimeters means when I'm looking at a set of binoculars. Like, what does that mean? You know? So I had to kind of have trial and error and order things and see if they showed up in the mail and they were the right size. But uh, I finally figured it out, thankfully. So my binoculars are fully functional. You can pull them down in front of her eyes like she does uh, in some of the behind the scenes photos. I think almost one of the craziest things is that you spent so long thinking about this and waiting to make it and everything kind of started to fall together right at the 20th anniversary of Attack of the Clones as well. Like it would have been cool enough to do this any other time, but the fact that it kind of you had the opportunity to get this together for the 20th anniversary and a Star Wars celebration that happened to just be at the same time as the 20th anniversary of attack of the clones as well. Like it's, I know it couldn't have been more perfect. Yeah, I know. What are the odds of that? And I, I noticed that when I started making it, I thought, Oh my God, if I get this done in time for next year, cause I didn't know how long it would take me. I just kind of thought it would take years. I mean, most people that make that costume, it, it takes them, you know, short periods of time over the span of a, a few years. And I was like, oh, it would be the coolest thing ever if I could wear this for the 20th anniversary of Attack of the Clones. So, yeah. How how cool is that? What's the story with the screen-used Zamparts? Okay. So, I think it was – I think it was Saturday of Celebration. I was walking around with Arturo. He was in Django. I was in Zam. And we were waiting outside the fountain in front of the Anaheim Convention Center. And we were waiting to meet up with a photographer. So we're just like chit-chatting and people are coming by and taking photos of us. And this one guy comes up to me and 
he was like, oh, it's a really great Zam costume. And I was like, oh, thank you. And he's pointing out things on my costume that a normal person would not point out. He's like, oh, is your um, your neoprene from this company? Where'd you get your parts from? Like asking me very specific questions. And so I'm answering him about the things that I purchased or made or whatever. And he's like, yeah, my wife is the, um, the CRL Zam for the 501st. And so the CRL is like the costume standards for the 501st. And I'm not in the 501st anymore, but I did use those photos as like some reference. So we're chit-chatting and he said, you know, I have um, access to parts that were cast from the screen use molds if you want a set. Because I already knew some of my parts were not completely accurate. There's one part in particular, I call them the ovaries. Most people call them the ovaries and they're like these little circles that hang from her midsection. And mine are flat on the back and they're supposed to be three-dimensional. They're supposed to be curved all the way around. And he was like, yeah, I, I have a set of those and I've got the hand plates and my hand plates are horrible. I hate them. And he's talking about all these things and he's like, what's your, what's your Instagram? I'll reach out after celebration and I'll send you some. And I was like, oh, okay. So I told him my Instagram and I thought that was super nice of that dude, but he'll never remember to reach out to me, even though I would really love to have those screen used or, you know, cast parts. I got home from celebration and like the next day he messaged me and he had a photo of all the parts that he had. And he's like, what's your address? I'm going to send these to you. And I was like, no way. Like, what do I owe you? I was getting ready to drop like a few hundred dollars on these parts. He's like, just cover the shipping. It's $10. I was like, are you kidding me? And so he sent them to me. And now with those upgrades, I haven't, I haven't done them yet because they need to be trimmed and painted. And I have to do a lot of work to rework them into my costume. But once I switch those out, there's only like maybe two things left on my costume that I think I could upgrade. But I was like, what are the odds that this guy and I crossed paths at the right time that he was generous enough to offer me those parts and to actually follow through? And it's so hard already to find anyone that has pieces that are cast from the original mold. So I that like just made my whole weekend. That was the coolest thing ever. And I'm really excited to to add those to my costume because it'll just make the quality like one step better. That's the magic of celebration, isn't it? Yeah. I, I know Gabe and I talk about all the time. That's like what sets it apart from like any other convention that stuff like that really happens. And people are like genuine about it. And just somebody has molds from the screen. You Zam costume. Just all right. I know. It's so interesting. I'm like, who are you? What else do you have access to? <laughs> there were all the amazing pictures, too, with you and our friend Tori, Tori Fox, and her incredible, the worms that Zam sends into Padme's bedroom. She was, she was dressed as one of the worms. You both were palling around celebration. It was the most incredible thing anyone has ever seen. This was the funniest thing ever because months before celebration, Tori was like, you know, it would be funny. And I was like, what? She's like, it'd be so funny if I dressed up like one of those things. And I was like, yeah, that would be hilarious. Ha ha ha. Like, <laughs> cool idea. You know, 
then a couple months later, I'm in a work meeting, like with my camera on, I'm on a zoom call and she texts me and I check my phone, you know, like passively and I open my phone and she has sketched the worm dress. And I was like, there's no way, there's no way she's actually going to do this. I had to like turn my camera off because I was wheezing. I was laughing so hard at this picture that she sent me. And then another week or two passes and she just sends me a selfie and she's got like the antenna headband on and I'm like, all right, well, I guess it's happening. So this is fantastic. Um, and in the course of like a day, she put together this really cute white hoodie dress and she tapered the bottom of it to look like a tail and she had like a little stinger on the end of it and she painted lines across the um the dress to look like the ribbed gross pattern of the worms I'm gonna call them um but the kicker is that she found this really great handbag that was like a clear barrel that had green pleather on the end and it had like a chain strap so it looked like the tube that the worms are carried in um and she made a little fake mini worm to put inside of that and I just couldn't believe that she actually did it and decided, you know, of all the things I could wear to celebration, you know, all the cute outfits I could wear to celebration, I want to be the worm, you know, and walking around with her in that was the funniest thing ever. I was laughing so hard. I almost like cried my contacts out of my eyes because I couldn't stop laughing. And the best part was people being like, Hey, Sam, can I get a picture with you? And Tori would exit the photo. I'm like, no, get in here. Like photo bomb, <laughs> get in here. And then some people were like, no, I just want a picture with the worm. Like they just, they didn't want me in it. They just wanted the picture with her. That was the best part is when they only wanted to have the photo with her. Um, and we took these really funny, like prom photos on the fake Kenobi red carpet. Um, so there's one of me like with my arms around her, you know, like the awkward prom picture. Uh, we had a great time. And then we were also on the hunt for any Padme cosplayers, but we were specifically looking for a nightgown Padme. And we never found a nightgown Padme from episode two, but we did find one from episode three. And then this other Padme that we found, she was like a, a lake picnic Padme. She let us fake like choke her, you know, to <laughs> pretend like we were out to get her. So it was just a fun time stalking different Padme cosplayers. And we we had such a fun time together. That was hilarious. Every time I look at the photos, I'm just like uncontrollably laughing because I still can't believe she did that. The third crazy thing with Zam Wessel and Celebration, Wesselmania, the shirt. Wesselmania. Let's go back. Because when this shirt first appeared, that this was going to be something that was going to be for sale with the 20th anniversary of Attack of the Clones, we were kind of like, wait a minute. Wait a darn minute. <laughs> so I did like a call out. I did one tweet where I started posting about the costume. And I was like, you know what? I kind of want to document the process with a hashtag so it's easy to find all the posts in one place. But I couldn't think of anything. I'm not good with coming up with hashtags. So I asked on Twitter, I was like, can anybody think of a good hashtag? 
one person, the next favorite of mine was wham, bam, thank you, Zam. And I was like, I love that, but it's too long. Like I can't have that in all my tweets. <laughs> um, and someone suggested WrestleMania and I was like, you know what? Let's go for it. It's, it's short and sweet. It's fun. I love it. Let's do it. So I thanked him for coming up with that. And I was like, I'm going to use this for sure. And so I put it on all my tweets after that. The situation with the shirt, let me tell you how that went for me. So I'm working one day, my phone blows up. I have a group chat with Charlotte, Caitlin, Tori, and our friend Kristen Bates. And one of them, I can't remember who, one of them sends me a photo of that shirt. And I'm immediately like, oh my God, they made a Zam Wessel shirt. Like I'm going to buy five of these. And then I think probably three hours passed until I realized that the shirt literally said WrestleMania at the top. I didn't even see it at first. And I was like, this is a joke, right? Like somebody Photoshopped. This is a joke. And then I went to the actual store, Celebration Store website, and I was like, guys, this is real. This is actually happening. And I'm really good friends with Danny Haas, who designed some of the other shirts for the celebration store. And I was like, Danny, who did this? Who's in charge of this? Did you do this? Do you know who did this? I need to speak with whoever did this. And he told me the first name of the artist and he was going to introduce us at celebration, but it it just never worked out. Um, But I think it was a woman that designed it, if I remember correctly. And I have no idea if they may have seen the hashtag or if they just came up with that on their own but it's a very weird coincidence if they happen to just think of that without seeing the hashtag. And to be very clear, I'm not mad about it at all. Like I literally bought four of those shirts and they're back on the celebration site. And I've, I've literally considered buying like 10 more because what if they wear out? Like I always need to have a backup, you know, but it's just the coolest shirt ever. I love the design. I still cannot believe that is actually on the shirt like verbatim wessel mania i mean come on how weird is that well it's all just so like you know, the prequel renaissance and yeah in 2022 there's a zam wessel shirt that says wessel mania on it it's all just it's all been leading to this it's incredible never in my wildest dreams would i have thought that shirt would be a real thing ever it shouldn't be that surprising, though, because Sam Wessel is really cool, and she's always been a cool design, and it's like there should be more Sam Wessel shirts, really, if we're being honest. Yeah. You know what's disappointing, though? I'm talking to all of you Star Wars fans out there. Listen, Star Wars Celebration put up their leftover merch from that convention on their store website recently, and, you know, every other shirt was sold out of, like, popular sizes you know the mediums and the larges were gone and they had a few remnant other sizes left the wesselmania shirt was available in every size and i just want to know who of you which of you did not buy a wesselmania shirt like reveal yourself and let me shame you because clearly enough people didn't buy these i bought four you know why are the rest of you not carrying your load for us to get more zam wessel merch 
You know what's funny? I was doing the same thing where I was scoping out what sizes were left to try and figure out what were the more popular shirts. And I was like, the Freetown shirt. Freetown. Was, was sold out of it. Nothing against Freetown. Most people go Freetown. Nothing against it. But I was like, really? More people bought Freetown than WrestleMania? I was disappointed. But it's okay. I got my shirt. So whatever. If they don't ever make another Zam Wessel shirt again, it's fine. I've got the one that I needed. The most important one. fanatic fans. Last weekend in Indianapolis, a huge Star Wars convention attracted scores of faithful and even fanatical fans. Star Wars just represents, you know, everybody's ultimate fantasy and, you know, for me personally and something my husband and I both get into, um, something we love is our childhood and we can forever stay children. They have a combination of anything that anyone can look for in a movie. They have romance and action and excitement and there's just something for everyone, so it just makes it great. Ever since I was a child, I've always been um, into warriors, you know, like knights and that sort of thing and just always been attracted to the Jedi in general and uh, who doesn't want a lightsaber? <laughs> So let's talk about your Attack of the Clones story, because obviously, as we've been talking about Attack of the Clones, very important. Where were you in O2? What's your history with the movie? How did you fall in love with it? How has your relationship with Attack of the Clones grown over the years? My story is so underwhelming. I'm just going to preface it with that. So I was six years old when Attack of the Clones came out, and I don't re- I don't really remember being that age or anything going on at that age. Um, my first vivid Star Wars memory is seeing Revenge of the Sith um, at the midnight premiere when I was like nine. So anything prior to that, I don't really remember, but... I remember um, having the DVD once the movie was out on DVD. We would, my brother and I would rewatch the prequels. We loved them. And I always remember we would skip the Anakin and Padme love scenes in Attack of the Clones because we just wanted to get to the action. You know, we wanted to see the Jedi. We wanted to see Jango. What was he up to? What was Obi Wan up to? And it was so funny because the movie was always like, half the length when we scene skipped all those Anakin and Padme love scenes. And it wasn't until I was probably in college when I really rewatched the prequels again in full and really got into Attack of the Clones. And then it was like a whole new world. You know, it's like, oh, this movie has so much more to it. There's romance. There's a cute boy, like all these beautiful dresses. There's so much more here. But I think it says a lot about me that I was really there for the action, the clones, the bounty hunters. That's where my heart was at. And that's who I am as a Star Wars fan. But my love for Attack of the Clones, it just grows with every passing day. You know, it's one of those things that I've watched it a lot in the last couple years just to soak in every millisecond of Zam's 
very limited screen time just for like costume reference, but then I'll continue watching the movie and enjoying it. And it's really cool being a kid from like the prequel generation because I love these movies growing up and I know other people don't really have that experience. They may have seen the movies in the theaters and were like, ah, that's not for me. And maybe then they rediscovered them decades later. But I always loved them growing up and that was like my Star Wars. But I'm definitely not one of those kids that remembers having the Attack of the Clones specific toys or going to the theater. Like that's not my story. My story lies with the DVD copy and the scene skipping, you know, but it's such a fantastic movie and it's really got everything in it. You know, there's love, action, mystery, you name it. It's got it. Baru. Hello. I mean, come on. It's literally got everything. So my love for it just continues to grow. And I'm, I'm very grateful that I've had this much time to, you know, like grow with that movie. It's funny because I was really thinking about uh, Zam and Attack of the Clones. And there were, before, like long before the movie came out, there were these preview figures. I want to say it was like when the first teaser trailer came out. Right, right Gabe? Do you remember that? Like, it was like a clone trooper, Django, and Zam. But I remember getting the Zam figure. And not even knowing anything about who she was or what was going on. Yeah, Zam Wessel, just like, you know, with Boba Fett or so many other Star Wars characters, is like the classic Star Wars side character where the toy comes out. It doesn't matter who they are in the movie because the toy's cool enough on its own. And they're, you know, only in maybe one little scene, but it's enough for them to be your favorite character. And be your favorite character for, for 20 years. Cause they're just, they're that cool. They don't need to do a lot. Yeah, and it was so exciting going in being like, Oh my God, I'm so excited for Zam. And I remember like, she wasn't, she was on the cover of insider and it was like, bounty hunters are back. And I was like, Oh my God, they are. Because you think about like Phantom Menace, like Aurora Singh, like later, but after the fact, but when you didn't know when you saw Aurora Singh, but it was like, Oh my God, this is like legit bounty hunters. And look at Zam. This is incredible looking. And it was so mysterious. Yeah. What a cool name too, Zam. I love that. So good. Zam Wessel. You never forget it. It's like a name, like you see it one, like what's that action figure called? Zam Wessel. And you'll never forget it. So wait, okay. So your experience is obviously much different than mine. And you saw the action figure first. Were you disappointed when she died so quickly in the movie? No, that's to be expected with Star Wars. Like we introduce a really cool character and they just die really quick. And in the brief time that we had Zam on screen, it was full of fun where she looks up when Anakin's on top. I remember when, the first time I saw Tech Cones and she looked up and her face changed. I remember people in the theater being like, whoa, that's so fun. I love that. And I love the whole, like, her dying in the street and Coruscant with the Rishami Schlemmer. You know, like, what is going on? I just, I love it. You know, she, every moment that we get Zam is is a gift. I love that. She's only there a few minutes, but yeah, she's living life to the fullest in what little time she has. 
But let's talk your relationship with Zam. Let's start with you and Zam specifically. When did this start? Yeah, so my obsession, we'll we'll call it an obsession because that's what it is. My obsession with her started when I was a kid going to Disney's Star Wars weekends. So it really didn't even start by watching Attack of the Clones. And for anyone that doesn't know what Star Wars Weekends is, Disney used to do this event for four to five weekends in the summer where they would bring Star Wars celebrities, all kinds of people to the parks, to uh, the Hollywood studios, and they'd sign autographs. They'd also have like little talk shows with them. You could meet actors from the movies. Darth Vader will stop at nothing in his quest to rule the galaxy. Can I have the autograph? Well, almost nothing. Now you can win a chance to live the saga during Star Wars weekends at the Disney MGM Studios and take home this entertainment center, plus the whole saga on video. To enter, send your name, address, and phone number to WXYZ TV, 1000 Main Street, Anytown, USA. May the force be with you every weekend in May. One of my favorite parts of Star Wars weekends is that they had a lot of very niche Star Wars characters roaming around the park. And you'd see iconic characters like Darth Vader. They had Boba Fett. They had Darth Maul. But then they'd have characters like Zam. And they had Ara Singh. And I always thought she was so cool at Disney because the performers that they would cast to play Zam they always had like the most dramatic eye makeup and they were completely silent. Like they were not allowed to speak to guests and they'd like the girls that played Zam would just kind of like slink around the park and they would sneak up on you and they would kind of scare you a little bit. And then you'd like take a photo with them, but they were always just so cool. And they were very different from how she is in the movie, which is interesting, but that's where my obsession began. And I always liked, seeing her there, taking photos with her there. She was always walking around with Ara Singh. So for me, I really think of those characters together, which is funny because we never see them on screen together. They're not even in the same movie. But to me, they're like a pair, uh, besties for the resties, as one would say. (laughs) Um, And then as I got older, um, I had joined the 501st when I turned 18. I had a, a Shadow Scout costume, but Zam was the dream costume. I, I actually have Facebook posts from 10 years ago where I've posted a picture of Zam from Star Wars Weekends, and I would be like, oh, this is my dream costume. I hope I could do this one day. So my obsession with her has always been focused around the costume and less about the character. Obviously, I love the character. But I've been so fascinated with her costume specifically. And like you said earlier, Jason, there's just so many pieces to it. And it's so intricate. And there's so many different types of materials used. So it's kind of like a crafter's heaven. You know, you can do a little bit of everything if you're making a Zam costume. So that's really where my story began with uh with that character well that's just another like one of the things that's so cool with star wars in general and and the prequels as well with just the costume design is like you can just be in love with this character 
regardless of what they did in the movie, because it's just such a cool design. And like you said, the costume itself is just such a intricate design that you don't, they don't need to do anything in the movie. They can still be cool and they can still be a, a favorite. The insane genius of Trisha Bigger. It's never stops. It kind of amazes me that they went so big with her costume and they put so many details into it for her to have such brief screen time. Like I can't even imagine how long it must have taken them not only to design it on paper, but then to make everything in real life, fit it to the actress, dye everything purple. Like that must've been a long, long process. But because they did now, 20 years later, there's still people obsessing over it. Like that's, that's why, right. If they wouldn't have done that, you know, maybe, there wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't be making the costume. Yeah. There were a few, a few things I worked on uh, with the costume. I was like cursing Trisha's name. Cause I was like, why did you do it this way? <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard. I couldn't figure out. She's got like this uh, ribbed leather belt that covers up the top of her leather skirt and like the holster hangs from it. And it took me a good two months to figure out how to make that and, it's closed in a certain way. Like the seams are closed in a certain way. And I remember vividly being so like ticked off at it and being so mad and being like, Trisha, you did this. You're doing this to me. This is your fault. You could have just sewn this as a rectangle and we could all go home. The skirt's sort of based slightly on sort of a, a Japanese uh, warrior type, Japanese, Chinese mixed. So it was a similar sort of feel where we cut out small squares of leather and punched holes and then overlapped them and, and linked them through with a leather thonging. Um, and the squares were all then hand-dyed. We, we hand-dyed them before we, we linked them together. Um, so they all have a different, slightly different colour. It's quite um, a nice effect, so you sort of get rippling. It takes oh, quite a long time to dress her because all the pieces are sort of um, uh, separate. So she has trousers and then boots with armoured pieces on them and um, everything has to go on in a certain order. I would say it probably takes at least half an hour to get her dressed. When Zam 2, like everything in the prequel renaissance, Zam has been making like a comeback lately. We've been getting more Zam content. She was in Forces of Destiny a while back. But right now she's in the the new Lego game. Yeah. And she's also in, um, there's a set of Halcyon comics that have to do with the Galactic Star Cruiser. And I just about peed my pants the day Star Wars tweeted a photo of that cover with Ara Singh and Zam together again. And the comic is about them on vacation together. And... Guys, there's nothing better than two besties taking their PTO together and going away on a cruise. Like, these ladies deserve that. And they're just out there living their best life. It's like all your all your dreams are coming true this year. <laughs> like, one after another. Now I just need to go on the Halcyon, on the Galactic Star Cruiser as Zam. That would be, you know, there's still time this year, though, guys. We've got room. If you just hang out, hang out outside the door dressed up, I'm sure you might be able, you know, just walk in like, like you belong. Let me in. (laughs) (laughs) So let's go there. Let's go to headcanon Zam. 
surely to goodness I can't be the only person that ships Zam and Django together. You know, what's their love story? We know we know they did it at some point. They were together, whatever, you know. We'll keep this PG, but they were a couple. They had to have been. But what's the story? You know, why did he decide to take her out? How long had they been together? How did they meet? How did he introduce himself to this woman and how did he be like, "Oh, there's going to be a few billion of me out there. They're cloning me." And she's like, "Guess what, babe?" I can turn into anything else. Like I can be another creature right now. So it's all good. Like we're going to make this work. And the biggest question is what's their ship name? Is it Zango? Is there something else out there? Like what's the ship name? What do you guys think? What's their ship name? Fessel. Oh, Fessel. Ooh. Ooh. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I would have went with Jam, but I think Fessel. Yeah, Fessel is a uh, good good mm-hmm. job, Jason. Pretty hot. Could she look like anybody, or was Sam like the only face she could do? I interpret it with the other species of her kind throughout Star Wars content. Uh, there's another Claudite in the Clone Wars called Kato Parasiti. She could take on the appearance of anybody. So I would assume Zam could also do that as well. Man or woman, creature, whatever. I've always been intrigued too with Django saying there can be no mistakes this time, which of course makes it seem like they've worked together in the past too. Or maybe she just loaded the dishwasher wrong that morning. Burned the popcorn when they were trying to watch the the droid football the night before or something. For date night, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I love um, them together. And there's some old, I, I'm assuming they're not canon anymore. I think there's some old comics of them like together and she gives them a little smooch. But I'd like some new canon Fessel content. I had to think about what the word was again. Fessel content. I would love that. It would be nice to get We've gotten so much Clone Wars after Attack of the Clones stuff, but not enough between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones kind of animated stuff or something. It would be fun to yeah have more adventures of, of Zam Wessel and Django. Yeah, there's a lot to be explored in that like pre-Attack of the Clones timeline. You know, I need to know about Obi-Wan and Satine. Let's throw Fessel in there too. Get the Obi-Teen girls hyped. The Fessel fans hyped. Just give us what we want, Lucasfilm. The Fessel freaks. We're, we're starting it right now. <laughs> That's the next t-shirt, Jason. Stop giving them ideas. We need to get my royalties from the first one. <laughs> the Fessel freaks. I love it. Wrapping up everywhere we've been here in this episode, all the Zam love, all the Attack of the Clones love, like we've said many times, it's the prequel renaissance this this incredible place we're in where us longtime supporters of the prequels are finally sharing the love with the rest of the world. It's such a great time because I think for so long the prequels were always the butt of the joke. They were memed to death. And that got kind of old, you know, it got very stale where you can only hear about the sand joke so many times until you're ready to like go lie in the sand yourself. 
So the prequel renaissance is great because I think a lot of people are becoming more and more comfortable saying out loud that they actually like the prequels. I mean, we all know that for so long, it was the cool thing to be a prequel hater. Well, guess what? It's not cool anymore to be a hater. It's not. It's okay if you don't like things, but if you do like them, you should say it loud and proud and you should not put on this show that you don't like something. So I think it's really great to meet all different types of Star Wars fans and of different ages and from different walks of life and to hear that they actually do like the prequels. It's just so refreshing because you're like, yes, there are more of us out there. These are fantastic movies and they got a really bad rap. But the other great thing for me, I love buying things. Hello. I'm like, a Star Wars fan. We all love buying things. The prequel merch out there right now is, it could not be better. I mean, there are like spirit jerseys and lounge fly bags and jewelry and t-shirts and shoes and anything you can think of. There is stuff out there now for prequel fans. And that was never the case. Um, so it's really exciting now to have all of that at your fingertips and you can like wear your fandom, express it very loudly. And other people are starting to chime in and like voice that as well. And obviously like with Kenobi and everything, I mean, it's just, it just keeps getting better. I can't believe how wonderful the last few years have been for the prequels, for people to just openly sing their praises and you don't have to be afraid of being criticized for it. It's just, it's not normal anymore to be a prequel hater within the Star Wars community. People would look at you weird if you said you didn't like the prequels. So it's been a full 180 and it's about dang time to put it lightly. (laughs) Well, I think your, your Zam cosplay was proof of that. And like we said in the beginning of the episode, it was so much fun spending time with you at celebration and we are so glad that you were there and you got all the love and attention you deserved with your zam cosplay and and everything just across the board thank you thank you so much Jason and Gabe on Blast Points. And these Blast Points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial Stormtroopers are so precise. 
Okay, so everybody, you know the deal with Apple Podcast Reviews. When you get done listening to this episode, we would love it if you would go over there and write something nice about Blast Point so more people, when they search Star Wars Podcasts on there, can find our show and read all the reviews that you folks have written and be like, hey, maybe I'll try this one. And if you listen on Spotify, go leave us a star review on there. We're so close to 100 five-star reviews on Spotify, which is awesome. And make sure you check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com. And you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you're a member of the Blast Points Super Chill Group. And if you want to support the show in a different way, we got the Blast Points Army on Patreon. So much stuff on there. So much bonus stuff. We got commentaries for every episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And sometime in the near future, we're going to have our episode episodes. We don't know yet about light and magic, which I'm completely obsessed with light magic right now. And I can't wait to talk about it. We just had the third episode. I saw John Knoll give a shout out to Briarwood Mall in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Where just like two days, it's literally like 10 minutes from my house and two days ago got Chipotle from there. And I have to go there tomorrow, actually. And I'm going to say a special prayer. Shout out to this is where John Knoll first saw A New Hope, a.k.a. Star Wars. Put put up a plaque on the wall in the the hallway or something. I'm just going to go around the mall and take pictures of John Knoll's face all over the walls, which will not help with the restraining order at all. But Savannah... What would you like the folks to know? What have you got going on? Yeah, so I want to plug two things. Um, the first thing is that uh, my co-host Brian, Brian from the Dorky Diva Show, he and I uh, have been working on a sequel to our Star Wars-inspired audio drama called The Adventures of the Zolan Dart. Our sequel is going to be coming out probably later this year, so that's in production. And if you would like to hear the first audio drama, you can go to thedorkydivashowpresents.com and you can listen to it there. The second thing I want to plug is my blog called The Dorky Diva. You can just find it at thedorkydiva.com. And I documented as much of my Zam Wessel build as I possibly could. So if anybody out there is interested in like, looking that or looking at that or even building their own Zam Wessel costume. I tried to share as much information as I possibly could. And you can also find my email on my blog as well. If you have like specific questions or whatever, happy to help future Zammers make their costumes and not spend seven months trying to find what a Heim joint is. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I'm also on all social media as the dorky diva one well, we'll have the link to the blog in the show notes too to make it real easy for people this was so much fun so great always such a fun 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 experience getting to chat with you and talk about all things zam and bring back attack of the clones here Thank you. It's always an honor to be on Blast Points, guys. This is one of my favorite podcasts ever. And you two are such wonderful people. And I had such a great time spending time with you both at Celebration. And I'm happy that we got to have this time together today, too. So thank you. You're welcome. Well, and you are going to want to tune in next week, everyone, because we have a promise to keep. 
to an old friend. There might be some phones ringing next week, if you know. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, until then, thank you so much, everyone. And thank you again so much, Savannah. Bye-bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. Hashtag Zampants. Yes. That'll be a different day. We'll just talk about Zampants. May the force be with all of you.